0: Today's reading is taken from the Book of Acts, chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea And everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Matthew. If you could have your
1: Bibles open to chapter 4 as we go through this text. Let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you are God who speaks, that your words have created heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it, and it it has been revealed um, to us. And we pray that as we come to this text that you will speak to us, you will change our minds and hearts, that we may live to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the end of uh, 2013... A member of the British Parliament reported to the House of Commons that the persecution of, the, of Christians is the biggest story that the world has never been told. This is in the House of Commons. And they discussed countries where life as a Christian is most difficult. Syria, North Korea, Eritrea, Nigeria, Egypt. That was December 2013. And in 2014, this past year, it got worse. According to Open Doors, an international organization that seeks to be the voice of the persecuted church, number of people who died for their faith in 2000, 2000, 2012 was 1,200 people. In 2013, it almost doubled to 2,123. In 2014, this past year, that number doubled to 4,344. And these are, all, by all accounts, conservative estimates, Rise of militant groups like Boko Haram, ISIS, contributed to uh, to these numbers. Churches were attacked this past year, especially in China and Vietnam. In North Korea, there's still up to 70,000 people, Christians, uh, imprisoned in labor camps. 70,000 Christians. I don't know what shakes your faith. For some, it's personal suffering. Well uh, when life doesn't go well, they question whether God really exists or God is good. For others, it's more philosophical questions, whether uh, how God exists with the evil. For some. For some, it's the perceived conflict between science and religion. But how about the persecution of the church? Why does God allow the church to suffer so much, if God loves the church, if the church is His body? Why does He allow Christians to be beheaded, as we have seen raped? and driven out of their homes and neighborhoods. Such severe persecution might ask people to doubt God's goodness, God's existence. But actually, that's not how the early church reacted to the persecution. In fact, the persecution drove them to prayer and to unity, to, be embo- to, to, to embolden witness. And if we ask, how could that be? What was the difference? What was different about them? Well, I think it's about having the right uh, expectation, point The point one. They weren't surprised. They were not surprised by the persecution. In fact, they expected it, and they were ready for it. When Peter and John, remember, were imprisoned and questioned, these unschooled and ordinary fishermen spoke and gave a stirring sermon. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, Peter was ready for persecution. In fact, he wants us to be ready as well. Later in his letter to the early church in 1 Peter 3.15, he'll write, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to, uh, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give this reason. Perhaps it was Jesus' many warnings that the persecutions were going to come. It happens in Mark 13.9. But be on your guard for they deliver uh, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and it goes on when they bring you to trial and deliver you over do not be anxious beforehand what you are going to say you will be hated by all for my name's sake but the one who endures will, will in the end will be saved and john 15:18 if the world hates you know that it hated me first There are many other places in the New Testament that says you will be persecuted for your faith if you are Christ followers. Having gone through these persecutions himself, Peter once again later will write in First Peter, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you are sharing in the suffering of Christ." He says, "Don't." be surprised when people persecute you. Of course, last week, we so helpfully summarized that we are not to be annoying, that we are not to go around inciting persecution. We're not to be hateful. In fact, if we embody the gospel, some people will love us and will be attracted to us. People will ask, how is it that you are different? How is it that you are so forgiving? How is it that you are so loving? How is it that um, you are so patient and self-sacrificial? The community that is self-sacrificial, community that is Christ-like, should attract outsiders to come in. Uh, The aroma of Christ is attractive. The gospel message is something that everybody needs to hear and wants to hear in the end. The gospel is good news after all. But the point is, This cannot be the only thing that we expect. Christ warned us of persecution. Some will oppose us if we follow Christ. You see, if we live and speak out, we will get both of those responses. That's how um, Tim Keller puts it in in one of his sermons. In every single culture, if you actually live distinctively in an engaged way, you will get persecution and you'll get approval. You'll be salt and light, and at the same time, you'll get punched in the mouth. Did you hear that? Isn't that the truth? If we engage the culture as Christ-like followers, we will both attract and repel people. That's how they reacted to Christ. And that's how they will react to us. So do we expect both of these things to happen? Do we expect one but not the other? It's not just the expectation. What's actually happening in your life? Ask yourselves, are people always attracted to us? Are, all, are people always repelled from us? So let me ask you, What are you always liked? Are you always liked? Are people always attracted to you? If they always say good things about you and about your faith, because if that is the case, you might not be prickly enough. And remember, the gospel is prickly. That is not how people reacted to Christ, and it's not how people generally should react to us. If we never irritate people, if we never incite anger, it may be that we are not speaking enough. It may be that we're not living distinctively enough like that. We're not going against the culture. Christians are people who believe and say things that people might not like, We're people who believe in the reality of hell, that there is salvation only in Jesus Christ, that acting on homosexual desires is wrong, that sex outside of marriage is wrong. We're people who do not believe that nice people go to heaven, but only Christ followers go to heaven. We're people who refuse to bow down to our idol ancestors, even if that has been the cultural norm and practice for centuries. We're people who do not worship money, sex, or power. If we speak of Christ and live as Christ would have us live, some will inevitably oppose us. But, on the other hand, are you always persecuted? If you are always persecuted, if no one is attracted to you, then there's some, there might be something wrong with you. Christ had a huge following, people came to him devoting their lives. After first. Peter's first sermon, 3,000 people are converted. And after second, 2,000 more uh, were converted. And daily, day after day, the Lord added to the, their number. The, there was something that was attractive about them, about that community, that people wanted to be Christ followers. If no one is attracted to the gospel, in a place like Hong Kong, it might be different maybe in Afghanistan or other places like that, but if in a place like Hong Kong, if we're always persecuted, there might be something wrong with us. We might not be living a Christ-like life. So let me ask you, how do people react to you? Are you always liked or are you always persecuted? Peter, John, and the early church attracted a great number of people to the church in a short period of time, and they went through persecutions, but they don't budge from their faith but are are absolutely confident. And the source of their confidence is that they know who is in control, even over these persecutions. You see, as they pray, remember, they don't pray to our Father in this prayer. Take a look at verse 24, what they call God. As they come to pray, they say, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord. And that word in Greek is despotes, despotes from where we get the word despot. It's a term used for, uh, used for a slave owner, a ruler of unchallengeable power. Despotess, it's, it's a political prayer. Remember, uh, demands of the Sanhedrin the week before, the political ruling body of Jerusalem. They told the apostles to cease from speaking. In verse 18, and Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. He's saying this is, this is a no-brainer. The Sanhedrin might give threats and warnings to silence the church, but their authority is subject to even a higher authority. It comes from God. It comes from Despotes, the absolute sovereign God whose will is always done. So they pray. As they pray, they remind themselves who rules the world, who is uh, on their side. They remind themselves of, of God, who God is, sovereign Lord. And you see how they go on. You created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, in verse 24. They remind themselves that God is the creator God. He created everything. They remind themselves that this persecution was revealed. It was, it was foretold through, the, uh, uh, through, uh, through uh, David. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of sir- your servant, uh, our father David. This persecution, he says, was predicted in Psalm 2. The nations raged. The kings of the earth rose up and the rulers band together against the Lord and the Messiah. This happened, as Peter affirms in verse 20, uh, 27. It was fulfilled. Herod, Pontius Pilate, Gentiles, and the people of Israel conspired against Jesus. But it was in vain. The Lord The sovereign God, uh, the sovereign Lord was in absolute control over everything that happened. And they are reminding themselves that God is in control over that persecution as well. And they quote from Psalm 2, right? And do you know, he quoted from Psalm 1 1 and 2. But do you know how that psalm goes on? This is Psalm uh, 2, verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. As the, uh, the, the kings and the rulers, uh, as they conspire, Lord is not fazed. He laughs. He scoffs. He's in absolute control. Their conspiracy, flexing of their muscles, their combined genius does not threaten God. So the disciples go to him. And they remind themselves who they serve. And Peter is absolutely confident that the victory is secure as a result. We're often threatened by persecutions, aren't we? When we hear of um, ISIS, Boko Haram, or North Korea, when I hear uh, these persecutions that go uh, that, that on, it, it shakes my faith. It, it shakes me. It shakes us. But it shouldn't. Because God is in control, He outranks them all. He is the sovereign Lord. We're often shaken when people shun us, when they belittle us, when they put us um, to uh, push us to the side of our social circles, when they call us stupid or unthinking. It's true that these uh, sorts of social marginalization is actually really hurtful for us. After all, human beings are social beings. And when they do this, this actually really hurts us. It it is just as effective as physical violence 2,000 years ago. It is. But do not be fazed. The Lord is in control over your workplace, over your um, colleagues, family members, over all the situations He outranks them all, and his power and will will ultimately move and shake the world. Be confident and do not be threatened. But if you are thinking, well, I I don't know how to be that confident. Well, actually, this sort of confidence don't spring up from within, and it didn't for Peter and John and for the people there either. Look what they do as soon as they're released. Look at verse 23. Peter and John went back to their own people. They went back to the church. When they were persecuted, when they were pushed aside, when they were threatened, they come come back to the church. They come back to the fellowship, and they share what's going on, what happened. And that should be for us as well. We come back. We share what has happened. And look how the church responds in verse 24. They pray. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They prayed. The courage comes from above. They bowed down and prayed. Instead of listening to the, uh, instead of retreating, instead of being afraid, they prayed. They knew that they would need God's power, so they came and prayed. But isn't it surprising what they prayed for? Verses 29 and 30. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Actually, the translation in verse 30, I think, in NIV's translation is misleading. Because it makes it sound like... Um, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders is a separate request. Actually, ESV has a more literal translation. It should really read, while you stretch out your hand and heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy um, servant, Jesus. You see, the difference is that the main request is the boldness to go and speak while God does his thing. They do not pray for the opposition to be crushed. They do not pray for less persecution. They do not pray for more miracles. They assume that persecution will continue. They assume that God will do miraculous things because he's God. But while persecution continues, while God does his thing, they want to to speak boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. They want to continue on witnessing in the time of persecution. And once again, it's the very thing that the Sanhedrin told, not, told them not to do in verse 18. Do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what they asked them to do. And that's the very thing that they want to pray for. And you know, people want us to be silent all over Hong Kong, anywhere the Christians are. People out there, they want us to run good social services. They want us to run good schools and hospitals. I know that, you know that people like having Christian doctors. We saw the courage of Christian doctors in Hong Kong during SARS epidemics. But the justice and mercy ministry, they want us to continue, but they do not want us to speak in the name of Jesus. So they pray to God that God would give them that boldness to go and speak and God answered their prayers right away didn't they didn't God the, it, 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 the 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 room shook in verse 31 an earthquake is one of the signs that God is present it happened in Exodus 19 with Moses it happens with Isaiah 6 when Isaiah when God shows up the earth shakes their courageous prayers were answered and God said, your prayers are important to me, and I am with you. And isn't it uh, amazing how this prayer was answered, not just for the people there, but actually for the early church, the rest of the book of Acts. How courageous um, the, 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 the early church is. Think about that. Peter preached in front of the Sanhedrin, people who were threatening his life. Stephen will preach in a couple of chapters later. This stirring sermon in front of people who will stone him to death right after the sermon. Paul will preach in front of angry crowds. He will be beaten. He will be stoned. The early uh, the, the, he will preach also in front of King Festus, the Roman governor, and and and, and Agrippa, when he's supposed to defend himself in trials. The early Christians were stoned and they were driven away. They were beaten and they were even killed. But God answered this prayer. All of them spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. So what do we pray for? What do we pray for generally? What do we pray for when persecutions happen in our life? When your parents ask you not to go to church anymore? When your relatives speak negatively of you because you refuse to follow uh, along the practice of ancestor worship or whatnot. When you feel that you are being pushed aside by your friends and colleagues, what do you pray for? Then we usually pray that the situations would change, that the persecution should would subside. Should we also pray for boldness in these situations? Boldness to speak the Word of God. Richard uh, Wormbrand was a Romanian Christian minister in, of Jewish descent um, in the last century. He died recently in 2001. He lived through the communist regime in Romania, and he and his, his wife prayed for him to be bold. This was, this, this was the situation. He um, The communist government uh, convened the Congress of all the Christian leaders in Romania in one place, in the parliament building. There were 4,000 priests, pastors, bishops, ministers from all denominations. In the Congress, they chose Stalin as the honorary head of their Congress. And one by one, bishops, priests, and pastors uh, stood up and said words of praise for the communist government and swore allegiance and loyalty to the government. And he and his wife, Sabina, uh, were there. uh, And he writes in this uh, uh, book, A Torture for Christ. Sabina told me, Richard, stand up and wash away this shame from the face of Christ. They're spitting in his face. I said to her, if I do so, you lose your husband. She replied, not this one yet. She replied, I don't wish to have a coward as a husband. His wife He's praying for boldness to speak in the name of Christ. And not surprising, Richard was persecuted. He was in prison for his beliefs. But even when he was in prison, he spoke for Christ. And this is what he writes. It was strictly forbidden to preach uh, to others in prisons. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted the, the, the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. (laughs) They were happy because he got to preach Christ. The Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. The New Year's is coming. It's a time of great celebration gathering with your family. Many of you will be asked by your relatives how you are doing, how you have been in this past year. And I know Satan will wage all wars to keep us silent. He will make you feel embarrassed, awkward, pushed aside. So let's pray for boldness as Andy led us before. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray that we might be able to speak in the name of Jesus Christ who has given his life for us. Jesus Christ who is in absolute control over all our situations. Jesus Christ in the hope of the resurrection. Let's pray that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll be filled with the joy of knowing him. That we will go out and preach boldly to all around us. Actually, um, we're going to now take a few minutes to take some time out, pray for ourselves, but also pray for the world, the persecuted church, and uh, Carl's uh, coming coming up to lead us.